have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fanalist.pod. Sean Ramachandran here with you, joined by Yash Yoshi and Rohan Naranjan on yet another NBA podcast. We got ourselves an NBA final series. The Bucks have tied things up at two apiece. Um, as a fan, once again, I'm ecstatic. I'm gonna spoiler, I'm sticking with the Suns in six, but but I'm not. I, I could be tempted to change my prediction based on like I know Yash is gonna play the devil's advocate advocate. I feel for Giannis more. I might be wrong, but like what what do you guys think? You think the Bucks can pull this off? You know, I'm with you, Sham. I think I'm going to stick with my pick in Suns and Six just because, like, I don't want to be that guy who changes his pick four games into the finals. But okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do think the Bucks have a real shot now. I'm not going to lie. After game three, Giannis had a great game. But I was still kind of iffy on whether or not the Bucks were really going to make this finals a good series or was it going to just be like they take a game here or there, but the Suns still comfortably win. But now that... It's 2-2. Both teams won the two games they had at home. And you know the saying, the series doesn't start until a playoff team, or not a playoff, a road team wins the series. That's and true. no road teams won. So we still have basically a three-game set. Whoever wins two first is the NBA champion for this season. So I think we have a really good, enticing couple of games coming up. Maybe two, maybe three. But we do have a game six locked in. So each team's going to get at least one more home game. And I would not be surprised if this goes to an exciting Game 7. I hope it goes to a Game 7. Giannis versus Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and then hopefully Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday show up. And I think we're NBA fans are really in for a treat for the Game 5, Game 6 coming up. Yeah, we finally got a series. Uh, but Yasha, you're right. No one, the series doesn't start until a road team wins a game. So in my mind, it's still 0-0. Yeah, we the Bucks came back down to 2 0, but it doesn't really mean anything, I think, until they steal a game in Phoenix. And obviously, in order for the Bucks to win, they have to win at least one road game since Phoenix has home court advantage. Um, exactly. But I'm, I'm, I, as much as I want Giannis to win, I just feel really bad that I think this is going to end in six as well. I really think that Phoenix is going to come out much more energized next game compared to how they were these last couple of games. Um, I think being home is going to help them a lot. They've thrived at home all postseason, so I don't see why that's going to change, and I think that they're going to win game five. I'm really undecided on game six. I feel like there's no way that Chris Paul can have as bad of a game that he, again that he just had last game in game four. Um, only scored six points, was just not a non-factor the entire game. Uh, multiple tor- turnovers. I think he has 15 turnovers in the last three games. So, and he had, he had 10 the entire uh, postseason before this series. So 15 turnovers in the last three games isn't going to look good for him, but I think he's going to get, get it together. I honestly believe that. Um, as much as I don't like Chris Paul, I think that he's not going to do that to his team, at least at home. I don't know how he's going to bear it on game six, but we'll see how it goes. I Really, I like I said, I told you guys that Chris Middleton was gonna have a big game in game four. Dude dropped a 40, 40 piece. He's, like he's the Batman of the team. Yeah, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but I, 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 I said that I said that satirically, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I don't, I, 
obviously Kendrick Perkins with his weird take about Chris Middleton. I just still don't think he's the Batman, but I had a feeling he was going to go off. Dude finally went off. We'll see what happens next game. Um, but Sham, just wanted to push it to you about what you what you thought the key takeaways are were from Game Four. Honestly, Chris Middleton being Chris Middleton, he was getting what he wanted to when he wanted. My fear, though, is that are we looking at the Chris Middleton cycle once again? Was that the prime MJ part of the cycle that we saw, and now he's going to go back to being, you know? Not not Batman for the team, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I just don't want him to come into Phoenix and absolutely just, just lay an egg, a goose egg of a game, if you know what I'm saying, where Giannis continues to do what he's doing. Again, Drew Holiday wasn't necessarily amazing offensively, but he was great defensively. Now, if he holds it together defensively and Middleton and Giannis just hold things down offensively, I don't see why the Bucks can't steal game five. And I'm going to be real with you. The winner of game five, I believe, is the winner of the NBA Finals. Because I think if the Bucks steal game five, they will close out in six. They're going to come home. They're going to close that game out. On the contrary, if the Suns win game five, I wouldn't be surprised if it closed out in six like we have been saying. They've been known to close all their series out in six unless – other than that nugget series where they swept them. But the thing is the Bucs have been phenomenal at home that I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix wins game five, they live another day for game seven at home and they take it in seven. So that is why game five is so important. Back to Yasha's statement, the series does not start until someone wins on the road. So have that be the Suns in six, like we're probably edging towards, or the Bucks in five, which could really help them close it out at home. Shams like acting like that's a huge hot take, but the team that wins game five in a 2-2 series usually wins the, it doesn't have to be a finals, but any seven game series 85% of the time. So I do think that game five is that critical point. Last game was the most important point in the series. Now game five is the most important point. And you know, the finals, that that's how they are. The next game is the most important. The game after that is the most important. And speaking of the Chris Middleton cycle, I think what we've seen in the past, if that has any indication of what he's going to do in the future, usually this kind of prime MJ state that we can so call it, last maybe two or three games so i am hoping that the bucks are able to capitalize on that for maybe one at least two more games if they can get that prime mj chris middleton and phoenix steal a game there then all they need is a Giannis good home game the energy of the crowd to really win that championship in milwaukee if they get a goose egg from chris middleton it's gonna be really tough for the bucks to maybe even win game five maybe even game six unless drew holiday makes up for the lack of chris middleton's offensive production but something i do want to touch upon that none of us have talked about and i think the entire nba world is talking about is is the refs the game was kind of rigged and i think all of us know what play i'm talking about we all know what happened at the end of game four do we think the nba is rigged do we think that they're doing that they're kind of blatantly Supporting the Suns, like I know that Devin Booker got seven, maybe even eight fouls in that game. He should have been out earlier in the fourth quarter. He basically wrapped his arms around Drew Holiday and didn't get called for a foul. So I'm flabbergasted at what the refs didn't call. And, you know, just going forward, I am going to be shocked if that continues to happen because this is the NBA Finals. 
I don't care if Devin Booker is a star, a superstar in the making. If that's a sixth foul, that's a sixth foul. Get him out of the game. The Milwaukee Bucks fans should have had an easier time to win that game. You know, there's cascading effects. Maybe Giannis plays a little more. They lose game five and the series shifts. But Devin Booker should have been out earlier in the finals. And I think that the NBA messed up big time there. No, that was a terrible, terrible call. There were multiple calls, like you said, on Devin Booker. He honestly could have had eight fouls in that game. Um, and dude didn't even end up fouling out. So if the Suns somehow ended up winning that, that was something that, you know, you could take up with the league office and the office would have been like, yeah, we messed up. But, and they've done that a lot of multiple times. I remember the Warriors Rockets series, I believe uh, a couple of years ago, there was 27 missed calls on both sides. So who's to say that could have, that couldn't have changed the outcome of that game, but what, what does it matter? We're glad that the Bucks at least got that deserved win. It would have been absolutely atrocious, like you said, Yash, if they ended up losing because of that. But it's going to be something to watch out for going forward. You know, there's been times um, in NBA history where we've questioned the refs' um, integrity. Like, are they actually making the right calls, or is this, like, home cooking? Um, is it, like, some kind of rigging that the league office is doing? Is Adam Silver behind it? There's so many conspiracy theories that we can go into, obviously. But you never want to see that as a fan that the refs change the outcome of the game. And hopefully we don't see that for the rest of the series. But really quick, I want to go back to what you're saying about Chris Middleton. I don't believe that this dude is going to drop over 25 next game. I was, you know, his big proponent for game four that he would continue and drop at least a 30 piece. But this dude has really struggled on the road, both him and Drew Holiday in the playoffs. And as much as I want him to go off, I don't feel like he's going to do it. Um, we've seen the stats, both him and Drew Holiday really struggle on the road and it's kind of worrisome if you're a Bucks fan. So like, like you guys both said, game five is a must win. I think more for the, compared to the Suns, the Bucks have to win game five if they need any shot. Um, but I don't know if Giannis can carry them going forward. Yeah. Um, in regards to the Devin Booker stuff, like, let's just be real. He became the first player in NBA finals history to drop over 40 points and have more than six fouls. So <laughs> that's history for him there. But, but in, in all seriousness, though, I believe that this, this whole Devin Booker fiasco, it's, it's getting a lot of attention. Don't get me wrong, but I don't believe that it's making headlines just because the Bucks won. In the off chance, like what Rohan was saying, the off chance that if the Suns won, then we get left with this massive big if that should have been corrected where like Devin Booker should have been fouled out. Um, you know, just hypothetically, if he was still in the game, like in, in towards the end of it, like Chris Middleton's one who took over, I believe he outscored the Suns 10 to in the final two minutes and 10 seconds of the fourth quarter. But um, let's just say Devin Booker was having his way. Like he was, let's just say he was continuing that hot streak in the last two minutes and closed out for the Suns. It would be a very, very different story because, I believe that he outscored all the Suns starters. He had 42 points himself. All the rest of the Suns starters in game four had 38 points. So no one else was going to close out that game. Um, on top of that, too, in regards to Chris Middleton now, um, it's not too far-fetched to say that he's not going to have over 20 points, honestly, because the thing is that on the road in the NBA Finals, he has averaged 20 points per game, shooting 41% and 33 from a three-point land, but it's not as bad. He's pretty efficient with the shooting, but he's just not there in terms of scoring with points. Um, that could also just go back to how many shots he's taking, 
um, the looks that he's getting, the type of defense the Suns are playing as well. He is far better at home, averaging 29, shooting 45 and 40 from three-point land. So other than that, I mean, like, again, it's safe to stick with the Suns in six. I think that that's the, con- that's the consensus for us right now. Um, one last thing that I would like to add is that the Bucks uh, are they had to finish the 2021 playoffs five and zero when wearing their white jerseys at home. They will no longer don those jerseys in the NBA Finals. They'll be wearing their black ones at home later, and then I believe their statement edition. I think for if there was a game seven, so uh, I I don't know if the jerseys are going to play a factor in this. I honestly, that's just me picking on like data that really should not impact the game but it's tough to ignore it because all the other teams are 0-7 when wearing their white jerseys at home in the playoffs this year I think in statistics you know what they say correlation does not equal causation so I think that is the prime effect of what that's that true means. that's true but speaking of the Bucks and their chances to finish the finals, I think it comes down to of course Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday like we've been talking about over and over but also for Giannis, I think I've noticed that he's gotten really tired as the finals progress. We've seen in the past two games, he called on Coach Bud to take him out four or five minutes into the first quarter. And if I'm a Bucks fan, he, he played well in these two games, but that does kind of scare me. Three or four minutes into the game, I would expect you'd have your legs under you if you say that in like the third or fourth quarter i get it you've played an entire game behind you and you you played an entire season as well so i get that he's tired but going into game five game six and maybe a game seven Giannis can't be calling on the bench to come in sub him out for four or five minutes especially in a game seven if the nba championship is on the line i would rather have him stay in the game play a little bit tired be the decoy but also you know stay on the floor i think if he can manage his like stamina the bucks have a better chance but if not unless chris middleton is able to go off and i know that we talked about that y'all don't think he's gonna go off he could you know the chris middleton cycle is as uncertain as it is he could have another amazing game and the bucks have a shot but you know if Giannis is tired he's not being able to play at his best the bucks are in a little bit of trouble now Gosh, that's an interesting point. I've noticed that too. I think it's a pretty common theme from um, in his career generally. Uh, and we see it a lot in the playoffs, I guess, more because he is exerting more power, obviously, and more energy. But it's pretty uncommon, um, almost never happens for a superstar to have this low level of conditioning. Uh, multiple analysts have like seen it before. It's kind of like concerning how um, that he always has this problem within five, six minutes of entering the game, he ends up losing a lot of stamina injury and has to be taken out, which is something to look out for. But um, I don't think that anything that he can change right now during this playoff series, he needs to work on that in these coming years with regards to his conditioning, making sure that he can stay in shape and like stay in the game. Because when he's out on the court, he's putting on 120% going full speed down into the paint. So it makes sense why he's getting tired. But as a superstar, I don't think you can have that level of conditioning. Um, going back to the game, though, keys for game five for the Bucks. I think that someone other than Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, and Giannis, obviously, has to step up. P.J. Tucker has been an absolute non-factor in this series. He had zero points in game four. I don't even think he scored over double digits um, from games one through three. Pat Connaughton has kind of been that third guy when 
Middleton and Drew Holiday weren't coming around for the ride in game one and game two. So we can see if they can do anything there. Um, but you got to get some more pr- production out of it, especially PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis. Uh, but for the Suns, I think that Chris Paul just needs to have a better game. Devin Booker, if Devin Booker and Chris Paul have a semi-decent game in game five, um, and Aiden comes along for the ride a little bit, the Suns should be able to easily win by five to 10 points in my opinion. But because Chris Paul had such a terrible game in game four, no one helped out Devin Booker. The, the Bucks were able to escape as close as it was. So I think that even with it, uh, Chris Paul having such a bad game and it was becoming so close, they should be able to win comfortably, especially at home, if Chris Paul has at least 20 points. Yeah, absolutely. I think going back to like some more legitimate statistics for Yash over here, uh, so I'm not picking on any other stuff, but um, the Suns are the first team in NBA history to lose an NBA Finals game despite shooting better than 50% and holding their opponents, in this case the Bucks, below 42%. So it's honestly like that shooting performance mainly came from Devin Booker's shot selection in the last game for sure. He was shooting lights out, um, but it just shows that it's it's not it's going to take a lot more from the Suns right now to to hammer out this series because um, I think rightfully so out of out of all of the playoff series the Suns have played in this is the toughest and it should be the toughest it's the NBA Finals um, whereas on the contrary the Bucks like you can argue that the Nets the Nets series was pretty tough for them and I think them getting over that just shows the what is it? I want to say like the resilience of this team and the fight that this team has. So, um, you know, again, you can't really put it over the bucks to somehow make something out of nothing. So if they do win game five, my prediction may be subject to change like all of ours, I hope. Um, but I guess it's sons and six until then. I mean, if the bucks win game five, then our predictions can't be correct. I mean, well, that is true. I mean, but I'm saying, I'm saying as a, as a champion, though, as crowning a champion. I mean, I think if the, whoever wins Game Five, like we talked about, it's probably going to win the series. So I, I think Fair. I don't want to be the guy who changed my prediction, but going forward, my prediction is whoever wins Game Five is probably the champion, just because that team has home field advantage going forward into those last two games. Yeah, I also want to say I don't think that the Bucks can win two out of three games on the road. So. If they were to win, they have to win these next two games back-to-back. So they would have to win four in a row, technically. But I think that they cannot win on the road. I think game seven on the road is going to be a really tough environment, especially for a team which has never made the finals before. Um, this like, young core has never made the finals before. And I don't trust Chris Middleton to give me like a game-winning shot in game seven, I'll be honest, as much as as well as he played last game. So Bucks have to yeah. close down six. Was that supposed to be like a hint to Kyrie's shot? Game seven. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to be reminded of that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of, you know, players not making the finals and stuff like that, there's Damian Lillard in the league. And, um, well, there's been a lot of drama stirring up that he could be requesting a trade. Um, well, there is a report, rather, from someone at Hoops Hype, his name's Harry Abbott, I believe. He has released a statement saying that sources close to Dame expect the starter request a trade in the coming days. 
Um, now, what we do know is, um, well, I mean, you guys know that I, uh, I do work at 48 Minutes with Chris Krause and a couple other um, guys that do have insider sources. But within that website and stuff like that, we're operating as if he has requested a trade as per Landon Bufford. Um, he is a source that I know that we don't hear as often. It's questionable. I understand that. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt right now, but it's tough to ignore the amount of smoke around a star this big. Uh, the last time this was there was James Harden, you know, this amount of smoke coming and we know where all this kind of stemmed up from Harden's like, Oh, I, I didn't, I, I'm not saying this stuff. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that. And then boom, he just kind of drops the hammer. And then it was known for a couple months that he wants out. He wants to go. Now, Dame has openly said he has not been saying any of this stuff. Um, I'll take his word on it. He seems like that type of guy, a very loyal guy. And he'll say it when it needs to be said. Um, he is expected to speak with reporters today after Team USA's practice. That's honestly the main rundown that I have for you. I'm going to stop talking now so you guys can just take that in. Um, let me know kind of what's going on through your head. I think that Dame's the type of guy I just cannot see him requesting the trade and I'm not going to believe these rumors until I see it happen. I, I've been reading these sources that Dame's going to leave Portland. I just, I don't know. Like, you know, we've talked about Damian Lillard being that portrait of loyalty in the NBA for the past 10 years. I think him and Steph are probably the two longest um players in the league with their respective franchises and Steph has won championships so like he has a reason to stay Dame really hasn't done much with the Blazers he's been a superstar but he is that guy when you think of loyalty and just to see him maybe even think of requesting a trade really does break my heart for Portland fans because they've really gone through so much with that backcourt with Damian Lillard and CJ and you know Nurkic as well so if they do break it up it's going to be an end of an era but I do really think that with Dame in Team USA's camp right now with the Olympics going on, and we saw what happened with Harden's situation as well. We thought Harden was going to request a trade, but he got dragged on for so long. I don't know how many of you guys remember, but that thing actually did take around three to four months to fully materialize. The first day we got the Harden news and for him to actually be traded to the Nets, it was a long dragged out process. And for a superstar like Damian Lillard, I think we're going to have the same process, especially since he's playing in the Olympics right now. Portland's not going to let him leave and then talk to these dudes in the Olympics openly tamper with Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, whoever else is on that team talking about like, let me come here, let me come here, let me come here. They're not going to let him do that. And I think that doesn't work well for the league either. So at least they're going to wait for the Olympics to kind of blow over, get to free agency, and then maybe get those trades going then. I would be very surprised if anything materializes before this, but I could be wrong. Rohan, what do you think? So uh, like Sham said, I think he's going to speak with reporters after Team USA's practice today, which I don't exactly know what time it is, but I believe it should be in the next few hours. But I just saw a report that coach, the new coach that they hired, Chauncey Billups, is actually flying to Las Vegas right now as we speak to speak with Damian Lillard. So is, is something going on? Like, does he know? Obviously, he probably knows something. It's, it's not just Billups, though. It's also the GM. Yeah, and the thing is that there, there's been reports, I believe, I believe it was Chris Haynes um, and very trustworthy source from Yahoo Sports. He said that 
there's been a strained relationship between GM Neil Olshi and Damian Lillard since Lillard has got there. And um, to like, to like furthermore touch up on that, there have been times when players themselves say, don't get too close to Dame, like friend wise off the court. Cause you're going to get traded. And like that, that's very, very like, you know, I, 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 I really don't have any words for that because if that's really what's going on there, then I just don't see why Dame has put up with this for so long. And like Yash is saying, I don't want to say it's, it's similar to a hardened situation, but not really. I think that in this situation, it's stuff that's been behind closed doors for so long that now it's coming out. It's like Dame has strung this on for so long that right now it could not surprise me that he wants out of Portland. Yeah, I honestly think Portland brought this upon themselves. Um, like they, they tried their core of CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic. Like they've had that kind of two guard thing for like five, six years now. And just year after year, they've flamed out in the playoffs. And I've always been wondering, like, when are these dudes going to learn that this isn't going to work? Like, as much as Dame and CJ are, like, good friends on and off the court, at some point you have to realize, like, this isn't a winning culture for our, for our basketball team. Like, we can never get that next step over the hump, whether it's the first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, they made it to the conference finals one year, but they've never actually been able to make it to the finals, let alone win it. So I always thought, like, when are they going to get this dude some help? Like, you know, maybe trading CJ is the move. Like, the experiment is over but they honestly have never learned it. And now I think they're realizing it a little too late. Um, Dame, as much as loyal as he is, there's tons of rumors coming out now that, you know, it's, it's coming that he wants out. But like Josh said, I won't believe until he says it or if Chris Haynes says it, because Chris Haynes has been Damian Lillard's mouthpiece for years and years now. So until a report comes up from one of them that he wants out, uh, I'm not going to, believe anything but we'll i hopefully we'll learn more about the situation within the next few hours regardless of not regardless or not if dame does request a trade i would be very surprised if it happens today or even in the next few days but if he did do you guys see portland setting up a full rebuild just hitting the reset button trading away mccullum's trading away nurkic for a future or, and also on top of that, where do you think Damian Lillard could be traded? What are some good landing spots for him? So in regards to that first question, if they're going to blow things up, if you're trading Dame, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, this reminds me a lot of like OKC situation. Like the moment you're trading one of your stars, it's like, what's the point of keeping the others around? And this isn't just any star. This is Damian Lillard. Like he is the heart and soul of this team. Like without him, like the team's nothing. I don't believe that. CJ McCollum is anywhere as good as he used to be, you know, two, three seasons ago when he was like a true, like when these guys were like up there for like top NBA backcourts and duos. Um, so if Dame goes, I think that the, the team basically goes like they're going to rebuild. It's going to be a long process for Portland ahead. They have a new head coach. So it seems like an ideal situation, quite frankly, just going to rebuild. You got a new head coach, same management. Um, but in regards to teams that he would like to go to, I'm going to go back to, um, NBA journalist, Landon Bufford, his sources tell him that the Knicks, the Lakers, the heat and the warriors are on Damian Lillard's early shortlist of places that he'd like to get traded. And it doesn't sound too far fetched. The Knicks are a team that looks pretty, I want to say good, you know, like it's, it seems like a good landing spot. They seem to have things figured out and they do have 
the arsenal per se to make that happen. Um, meanwhile, the Miami Heat and the Lakers seem like long shots. It's just like, what are you going to give that can even out the trade? The Lakers just don't seem to have the cap space or the players to make that trade happen. Meanwhile, the Miami Heat, they might have the players like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson inside and trade potentially. Um, draft picks, you know, not really, but the Warriors look very, very in position to make a trade possibly too. They have the number seven, number 14 pick, as well as James Wiseman, who could be an asset. I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Wiggins is in that deal as well. I mean, it's Damian Lillard for God's sakes. So uh, there are a lot of moving parts over here. I think even the Sixers have shown interest in Damian Lillard. It's almost like they're waiting for him to become available so they can offer Ben Simmons in a package per se. So there are a lot of landing spots over here. It's tough for me to imagine half the league probably is not calling on Damian Lillard. Yeah, Sean, I agree. I think you're right. Like, the Lakers just don't have enough. As much as Laker fans want that third star next to LeBron AD, I don't think they have enough. You know, like a package of Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, Schroeder, and, like, Montrez Harrell, and, like, a couple of picks, I don't think that's enough to get you Damian Lillard. And I don't think they have the cap space for it either, like you said. The Warriors would be interesting. I think they would definitely have to give up Wiseman, Wiggins, Poole, um, and, like, a lot of picks, like three, like, three to six picks at least. So... That would be a big boatload for the Warriors, but it would be very fun to see Steph and Dame play next to each other. Um, but I think for me, the most intriguing spot where I kind of, uh, obviously I want him to come to the Warriors as a fan, but I think that if he was on the Sixers, that would be really interesting with Embiid finally having that true point guard that he can play with. This is a perfect time for the Sixers to make that move, especially since they want to trade Ben Simmons. Um, maybe they can throw Shake Milton in the package at some picks. Tyrese Maxey, whatever it takes to get Dame, I think he would thrive really well playing with Embiid. Um, so we can talk about these scenarios all day long, but I just really want to see if this dude actually wants out. That would be, it's going to just start a fire in the NBA world. I know that I think everyone wants Dame to go to one of the bigger market teams, form a super team with LeBron, with Steph, with Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. But honestly, of all the teams that Sean just mentioned, I think the Knicks genuinely might be the perfect fit for him. Just hear me out. So firstly, they're coached by Tom Thibodeau, who is an established coach. He's a defensively minded coach, and he turned one of the worst franchises into a playoff team this season. They have a great young core who just made the playoffs without him in RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, who just won most improved, and a couple of other players who can turn into rising stars like um, Emmanuel quickly. And it also is the perfect spot for Dane because he can still be that guy. If he's in LA, he's going to be number two to LeBron. If he's in Golden State, he's going to be number two to Steph. If he's in Philly, he's still going to be number two to Embiid. In New York, he gets to be the number one star. And I think Damian Lillard should be the number one star. There's very few players that Damian Lillard should step down to. And it just happens to be that the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Sixers might be one of those few landing spots. And he's played the best as the ball dominant guard and with the Knicks in a defensive defensively coached environment to kind of make up for that lack of defense that he has he provides the offense the rest of the team provides the defense and they can provide or they can make a team that really does resemble this year's Hawks and maybe pay, make a push for a title run in the next two three four years if they do this full rebuild correctly so I think that if the Knicks can correctly offer a package for Damian Lillard, they should really go all in. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's what I was, you know, kind of coming around to saying, like, the Knicks just seem good. Like, basketball's back in New York. 
Um, but one more thing to note before we do conclude, um, Damian Lillard, he did say this to Chris Haynes, you know, Rohan, your trustworthy source regarding this whole Dame um, saga per se, but um, this is a quote that I'm about to read. Damian Lillard says, we have to look in the mirror and say, I have to be better because whatever it is we're doing is not working and it's not giving us a shot to compete on the level that we want to compete on. He also did state that everybody in this organization must look in the mirror because we've constantly come up short. This happens to be the first time I feel in a long time that Dame has not, he's not blaming someone else, but he's, he's kind of putting that accountability out there. He's saying, this isn't always on me. And you know, that that's just, that's just the reality of it. So honestly, we're going to see what Lillard has to say on his future sooner than later, but you know, until then here's to a great game five of the NBA finals. And whatever Damien's future may hold, that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the panelist.pod.